Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson. How are you this morning? I'm great. I'm actually, like, just feeling really good. Have you turned into a duck yet? What From the rain? Is, yes. that, is that the great implication? Weather, great weather for ducks out there right now. Nah, it's good. Water everywhere. Yeah, I love it. I'm I, I, I went for a walk for the good of my health yesterday during a break in the rain. Ended up having to walk across a river. Wow. Okay, so it's really flooding up. It's like as wide as this building, like wide river. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. For what? What did it used to be? Just ground. Yeah, that's crazy. It's dirt. Just is just some dirt. Just some dirt. You know. Now it's river. I'm actually, I'm kind of, I'm kind of feeling glad. Just something that happened in the last two minutes just made me happy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just sitting you, sitting here watching you rummage through your toolbox and not have the right yes. tools for the job. And I thought it was funny. I was like, wow. I just, I was just having Fairly. fun rummaging through my toolbox. It's always a good morning when I get to rummage in my toolbox. Yep, especially sit, sitting right bef- behind the mic. You sitting know, behind the mic, like you know, metal clanging. But uh, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like you have the right tools I need for an the Allen job. Key. Someone bring me an Allen key. <laughs> yeah, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Guys, we need Allen keys. Text Help us an the Allen show. <laughs> Bluetooth airdrop, please. For our own no, sake. just send us the just send us the link and we'll print one. We got three D printery somewhere. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I hope so. Producer Shell is shaking her head. She says there's none in the office. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Here on the breakfast show, as we head towards some more positive news this morning, let's have a quiz for our a clue, a, a question, question for our quiz. That's right. For one hundred points, Jacob sent his sons to Egypt when he heard there was this there to be obtained. Okay, the number to call. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. For 100 points, you can net yourself a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker, or you can get those points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, listen to this. Jacob sent his sons to Egypt when he heard that there was this there to be obtained. I would actually guess the wrong thing. Oh. I would, 100%. I would, I would, complete, I would guess the wrong thing. So, guys, think about it. Read, read the Bible. It's a one hundred pointer. You yeah, get this, is, this pointer is one hundred. I, I would get it wrong. I would, okay. I would guess something super similar, but I would ultimately get it wrong. I'd get it wrong. Yeah, if okay. I, if I didn't have the clue here in front of me, it probably the clue probably on this one probably depends on which translation of the Bible you use as well. Maybe. So if you call up and if your answer is disputed, then maybe you can defend yourself by sending through. Your translation? Yeah, that's right. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. And if you send through your translation, Lyle will make fun of you if it's not the King James. That's right. That's, Absolutely. You know, that's, uh-huh. that's just how it goes down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, anyways, in the news, well, it's kind of difficult to have positive news on a day like this, to be honest. Um, like, I, I guess at the moment the world is in such turmoil and such distress over the current political and world events that are happening. Obviously, I'm talking about, you know, the uh, the Russian invasion of the Ukraine and the occupation. It's just bizarre, isn't it? You know, when you... And, and really what you've got here is a fulfilment of Bible prophecy. Yeah. Wars and rumours of wars. 
we just reach a point where we think, oh, there might be a little bit of peace on the horizon. You know, things calmer, are calmer in the Middle East yeah. than what they have been for the last 20 years. COVID's coming to an end. Uh, we're no longer fighting in Afghanistan. Afghanistan is still in turmoil, mm. but we're not, you know, we don't have troops over there anymore. COVID is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Uh, it almost feels like the world could come back to some level of nor- normality. Of course, the world's economies have all been wrecked by COVID. Yeah. And, you know, we, we think, oh, okay, but, you know, maybe we can start to recover from that. Uh, the war on terror has scaled down. And, mm. you know, you, the, your major conflicts around the world have been reduced to, you know, warlords in Africa and Yemen mm. and places like that, you know, South America. There, there's, there's, we don't have major countries that are in major conflicts with each other right now. It's pretty much just, uh, you know, your warlords here and there. And so it's almost like it's like, well, you know, there's a little bit too much peace in the world. We better go and start another major conflict. And yeah, Putin right. has to go and put his foot in it. And at least it fulfills Bible prophecy. That's right. It's so funny, actually. I was on, uh, you know, just scrolling through Instagram, and I have a lot of people on, like, my Instagram, Facebook, social media from, you know, growing up who aren't Christians and whatnot, and, like, people that I know have specifically, like, shared things on Facebook that have been very, like, anti the Bible and anti God, and they're like, oh, re- religion, how ridiculous, and then they're sharing about, like, the, the, the what happening in the Ukraine. It's like, to think in this day and age that we need to do something like this, and I'm like, yeah, because the Bible said so. Like, like yes. the love of men is growing uh-huh. cold like that's exactly what we're seeing you know wars are wars and rumors of wars like and it's also an, inter- an interesting commentary on the influence of christianity in the world because mm. this is a war of conquest yes and that's why everybody is looking down on it so much and like oh this is a terrible thing well where did the idea of war of conquest being a terrible thing for you know the most of the last six thousand years a war of conquest has seen, been seen as being an honorable thing mm. This is what this is what you do. You just go and kill lots of people and take their stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, however, as the influence of Christianity has grown, particularly in the last couple of hundred years, mm. what you've seen is a movement across the world where no, if you're going to have war, you're going to have to justify why you're going to have that war, and it can't be just because you want to go and take people's stuff. Mm-hmm. That can't be the case. Yeah, and so. Yeah, it's it's interesting from a bunch of perspectives. That all being said, uh, I guess there is a silver lining to this, as you said. Like it is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy, and also Christians and Jews right across the Ukraine have been uniting in prayer and just praying through Psalm chapter thirty-one. That's a fan. Wow, that's amazing. Psalms thirty-one. I didn't realize they were all praying Psalms thirty-one. They, but yeah, we should join them in that. Hundred percent. If you guys don't know Psalms thirty-one, I'll read the first a uh, couple opening verses. It says, "In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, my strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, um, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me." And this is like really their prayer. You know, yes. they're they're. Yes. They're experiencing, like I said, turmoil um, and just unrest on every single side. And they're like, God, we need God to step in and to help us and to save us. And so if this is any time to pray, it's right now. If there was any time to pray, it's right now. And for these people um, that... I think all the Abrahamic religions should be reuniting on this particular mm, prayer. And not only for the for the purpose um, of, of safety, um, but for, yeah, for the hearts of, like, I think that's obviously a huge reason why we should pray because it's a terrible situation. Um, but also that the hearts of the Ukrainian people and the Russian people, uh, would be turned to God. Yes. Yes. Mm. Absolutely. Because, you know, I tend to think that there's going to be a lot of, 
you know, Russian troops and so forth that are particularly unmotivated to fight in this battle. It, mm. Essentially, you're just fighting other Russian people. Yeah. It's that's just Russians fighting Russians, mm. really, or, or, or Slavics fighting Slavics, I should say. Yeah, that's right. You know, they, they speak a very similar language. They've got the same alphabet. They've got the same religion. They've got, you know, there's so many similarities. It's just like, it's almost like having a civil war. Why would you want to go and do that? And this isn't a response to terrorism. This isn't no. a response. No, this is literally just like, oh. We want it. We'll take it. <laughs> That's right. And so I thought it would be good at this point to pray for the Ukraine. Absolutely. Let's do that. So go, ahead, go ahead, Lawson. Let's pray right now. Uh, guys, if you are listening along at home, I, I ask you to bow your head. Um, if you're driving the car, please don't. Please keep on the road, but pray with us. Lord and Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this day. I want to thank you that you are continually working in the hearts and in the minds of of many people around the world, that people are being stirred to you. They're being pointed back to you, um, even in the midst of this great turmoil that is happening and we think specifically now of the ukraine and everything that is happening there um lord it's really terrible and we ultimately see it is the existence of sin Uh, as we were saying why does this war need to happen why are people motivated to do this well because of sin lord and i just pray um obviously for the leaders in russia that they would turn from their ways and this war wouldn't go forward but if it does lord i want to pray for the safety of ukrainians and i also want to pray um that yeah people would be able to see so clearly that your word is being fulfilled and that they would be turned to you because of that. Thank you for the amazing blessings that you give us. Thanks you for providing everything and being God, a God of such provision. Uh, but I just pray that at this time that you provide for the Ukrainians who are going through this distress um, and be a blessing to them. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. Um, and yeah, thank you for your sacrifice of, the, of your son, Jesus Christ. In, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Thank Praise you. God that we can take that to uh, to Him in prayer because, mm. you know, it's one of those times when you just sit down and you listen to the news and it just gives me a sick feeling in my gut and I just want to probably on this situation more than any other situation, I just want to be an ostrich today. Yeah, bury the head. I just want to bury my head in the sand and not listen to it. It just makes me so ill to see what is taking place over there. Mm. But at the same time, we need to remember that we can lift up our heads and hold up our heads and know that Jesus is coming back soon. Yes, couple of uh, text messages that has come through here. Um, Raphael says, uh, says this right here. He says, uh, love the song you just played. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thanks, Shell. So go produce a Shell. Fantastic. That was Ricky Skaggs. We'll be all bowed out. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Um, need to learn how to read. Man, you are offensive today. You're just like just trying to hurt people's feelings. Like it, it is Jaeger. It like in in every in every language. But anyways, let's have another clue for the quiz for two hundred points. What accessory will Jesus give to Paul and those who love his appearing? Wow. I, I want this accessory. Sounds pretty awesome. Uh, 0491064669 is the number to call if you know the answer to that one. For 200 points, you can win yourself a Signs Magazine, or you can get those points on the board. Continue to sweep your way through the quiz. If you get every single question correct, you can win every single prize. But again, that question was, what accessory will Jesus give to Paul and those who love his appearing? 0491064669. Well, the uh, text message coming through, Russian invasion of Ukraine, wars and rumours of war. Unfortunately, the ones who mm. suffer the most are the civil population. Let's remember them in our prayer. Imagine us being there. What emotions would we be going through? Lord, come soon. Mm. And uh, it's, just, it's just absolutely sickening 
when you see what is taking place over there. Anyway, um, moving across to the United States where there's um, some new research that has come out in relationship to assurance. How many, how many people have assurance of going to heaven when they die? How many people have assurance of salvation? And, you know, where do, where do we stand? What, what's, your, what's your assurance? Is it on a spectrum or is it a yes or a no? Mm. Uh, anyway, as the research comes out, 37% of the United States population have assurance of heaven. That if they die right now, they're going to heaven. 37%. 37%. Mm-hmm. 23% have hope. Okay. The hope to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Hope is different from assurance. Hope is like, oh, I hope I make it. Uh, 17% said that no one can know. It's impossible for me to know whether I'm going to heaven or not. Okay. Uh, what's interesting is how, you, how this divides up racially. So uh, 37% uh, of whites, 49% of uh, African Americans and 28% of Hispanics have assurance of salvation. Mm. Now, what's I, I the, definitely the uh, Catholics are very low on the scale there when it comes to assurance of salvation. I thought they would be very high because they've got such a uh, a system of safety nets mm. that they can use to get into heaven. But right. anyway, apparently not. Those safety nets are um, not giving them great assurance. Uh, the gender gap: forty-four percent of males and thirty percent of females uh, have no assurance of salvation, and so that kind of matches the forty-sixty gender split that you have in Christianity. That does not exist in other religions, and definitely something that we need to address as Christians. Uh, now, the reasons why they have assurance in salvation. <coughs> this was interesting. The majority was. Uh, that they trust in God alone. So around about, for those who do have mm-hmm. assurance of salvation, around about half of them, uh, the reason they have in assurance of salvation is because they trust in God alone. Now, these, this group tended to be older people mm-hmm. and lent more towards women okay. that trusted in God alone. Uh, the reason that, because I'm a good person, which came in second place, a uh, close second, uh, tended to be men, and it tended to be younger people. Okay, young men are out here confident. So, and I think this definitely does reflect a male weakness in that, you know, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we see somebody amazing, and when a woman looks at herself in the mirror, they're like, oh, this is so terrible. Um, and we tend to overrate ourselves, and women tend to underrate ourselves. It's just a gender thing that's just the way it is. It's not the way with everybody by any stretch of the imagination, but it is typically the way it is, mm-hmm. and it comes across into Christianity, whereas us men, it's like, yeah, we're fine, we're, we're going to heaven, why, why wouldn't we be going to heaven? Whereas women are like, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, I need mm-hmm. to trust in Jesus, and that's actually a good thing. Yeah, but because we're a good person, that's kind of cringe. It's not yeah. going to work, Oof. it's not going to work. Oh. That's, that's salvation by works right there. And mm. younger people. So it seems the younger generation coming through doesn't actually have an understanding of trusting in God alone and sort of sees Christianity as being a great philosophy to live by. I, I wish that there was a question that was like, how are you saved? So that people could express like, oh, well, like, you know, I, I made a confession of Christ and I can't be lost or I do the sacraments every week or I, w- I would love to see data on that. That would be a very interesting... Mm. And that would definitely 
divide up more denominationally. You'd see mm. more denominational splits right there. Mm. Okay, what was interesting, and this was sort of like a side part of the research that was done, was that the majority of people are open to talking about faith and sure. we're particularly talking about yep. non-Christians. Yep. And so this is what you meet all the time, Lawson, because you're doing Bible work, you're going out there, you're meeting people on the street, on the beach, wherever. At the uni. At the uni. And people are just like, they're cool about talking yeah. about their faith. Particularly, like, like, I think it's, um, I, I've seen particularly amongst young people. Yeah. Like, because especially when you say the word spirituality, it's like, because it's trendy to be spiritual, guys. If you didn't know this, like, if you thought, like, every young person was a hectic, like, edgy atheist, you're wrong, okay? It is trendy to be spiritual, particularly in Australia. Yes. People are open to have conversations about it. And particularly it. immigrants into Australia. Oh, yeah. Well, then they're, they're just, like, Christian. Like, like you talk to any Filipino or, like, like Philip, dude, the Filipino students, it's, like, they're all Christian, so you can have a com- Christian conversation with all of them. Then you have people coming from, like, China and stuff who had no idea about faith, but they want to learn English, so why wouldn't they study the Bible? It's, like, they see that as the Western religion. Yes. And then, like, oh, man, I could give you a profile on, like, every single culture. Like, the, a lot of the American students who come over are Christian so that they're just looking to join groups. Like this is this is what I've seen. Like you can profile each kind of group and kind of generalize what it will be like to talk to them. And I've just seen it because we have that hodgepodge that on, on the uni campus of different cultures and all that, and different ages and all kinds of things. It's great. So the, the majority of people are open. The majority of non Christians are open to talking about faith. That's the simple reality. Mm-hmm. Um, the minority of Christians ever talk about faith. <laughs> so this is an interesting, yeah. interesting conflict that you've got here. Uh, non-religious people are happy to discuss faith, but religious people have this have this uh, religious flinch where they see that you know religion is off limits. You know, you shouldn't talk about religion. It's going to create this discord. Uh, people are going to like me. The top three responses for not sharing their faith. Uh, is that well? They can get their get to heaven on a different way. Or uh, number that was number one. Number two was we shouldn't impose our ideas on others. We're not imposing any ideas. We're discussing faith. Yeah. Um, and the third one is that we shouldn't be judging others. We're not judging others. We're just discussing faith, dude. Anyway, it, that, that's so true. Like, like any of those people would be like, "Oh, did you hear the new Kanye West album? Like, it was awesome." Is that like imposing your views on no, someone? No. Like, like, Do you know about Jesus? He's yeah, totally awesome. That's yeah, that's right. It's views. the same thing. Like, oh, guys, yes. come on, just get out there and tell people about Jesus. Mm. Okay, so moving uh, to another subject, the National Association of Independent Schools in the United States, um, which represents nearly two thousand private. Christian schools, Mm -hmm. that's big, Okay, is providing training on how to teach radical gender ideology to pre-kinder students. Pre-kinder. This is yuck. It's not yikes, it's yuck. Mm. So basically what this is is how to groom children for institutional abuse. (laughs) That's really what it comes down to is that, you know, we've, we've brought in all of these safeguards to safeguard, you know, institutions and so forth, um, against, you know, child abuse and whatnot. And abusers have just become smarter and they have written the abuse material into, you know, a heavily sexualized curriculum for pre-kinder students so they can go and get their jollies talking to pre-kinder students about sex. That's essentially what has happened. That is so cringe. And it is really, really, 
really awful stuff. Mm. Um, and of course, if anybody says anything about it, then they're immediately attacked they're bigot. Um, yeah. as being a bigot, as being phobic, as being hateful, as being discriminatory, and just cancelled and shut down. And, and by the way, when we say cancelled, it's like lose your job, yeah. get sued kind of thing. It's not just like, oh, that people don't want to follow you on Twitter. It's like, that's insane. Yep. So just looking at it, um, one of the speakers at the workshop discussed how with younger children starting in pre-kinder, we talk about their bodies and about the parts they were born with, about penises and vaginas and whether that makes somebody a boy or a girl. The speaker explained that students as young as pre-kinder are asked, what do they feel like inside? Do they feel like a boy or a girl? What does their head say? These are kids that are supposed to be playing with teddy bears and Legos. Well, they're not even up to Lego stage. These kids are pre-Lego and you're having this yeah. kind of... The only reason any adult has this kind of a discussion with a pre-kinder child is because they are trying to get their dollars. It's, it's, it is that simple. This is child abuse and it needs to be eradicated from our schools. And the lesson here is this. You need to know what your school is teaching your children. You need to sit down with your school principal. You need to have this conversation. We did when we sent our kids to a private school because private schools are not a safe haven that everybody thinks that they are when it comes to these radical gender and sexual ideologies and they are not a safe haven from abuse and from abusers Mm. who have now written their abuse material into the curriculum so that they can destroy your children. You need to know what's going on in your schools and you need to take responsibility for your children. And if if so be it, your kids are better off to be raised illiterate than to be destroyed by this kind of abuse. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It's The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, which means that we are in the middle of our quiz. Our next question is worth 300 points. 300 points. What did Simon the Sorcerer think he could buy from Peter and the disciples? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 300 points, you can win a pocket sermon. Uh, But again, that question was, what did Simon the Sorcerer think he could buy from Peter and the disciples? Get your points on the board, guys. 0491-064-669. So, moving back to Australia, we've been talking about international stories, but for those of you who have been following religious liberty in Australia, we've had you know some recent moves with the religious anti-discrimination bill that we spoke about last year. And uh, to get an update on where things are up to, we've invited uh, Pastor Michael Worker to join us. He is the Religious Liberty Director for the Adventist Church in Australia. Uh, Pastor Michael Worker, welcome to the show. Uh, good morning, Lyle. Nice to catch up with you again. Now, we did talk about the Religious Liberty Anti-Discrimination Bill quite extensively last year. We had uh, the Attorney-General, Senator Michaelia Cash, come on the show and, and, and basically introduce the, the bill and answer a whole lot of questions for us. But since then, the whole process seems to have stalled. Can you give us an update of what has happened and where we're up to with this Religious um, Anti-Discrimination Bill? Yeah, thank you, Lyle. <clears throat> and and I think you're you're exactly right. Um, it it has stalled, and, and that's quite unfortunate. And, and in many respects, it's happened for a range of reasons. Um, those who have been opposed to the bill have made a very concerted effort to obstruct the bill, to misrepresent 
um, the contents of the bill and, and the impact of the bill. And uh, that certainly spooked a number of people in Parliament. And um, I think the other thing is it was just way too close to the election. You know, it would have been um, far better to have seen the legislation come before Parliament a few months earlier and uh, have more time for the for the robust dialogue that such a significant piece of legislation really warranted. Okay, so with being so close to the election, does that mean that this is the last we will see of the bill until the election takes place then? Yeah, look, there's only two or three uh, sitting days before the um, parliament is prorogued, basically goes into caretaker mode and, and the government needs to get through uh, the budget and, and needs it to transact other pieces of business and there's just literally not the hours in the day, not the hours in the parliamentary process uh, to to um, continue the discussion and, and the direction it was going before um, the Prime Minister withdrew it from the Senate. Um, it was certainly heading down a track where if it had been approved with all the amendments that were being floated, uh, it would have been, it wasn't worth approving. And, and so he, he's done the right thing. I think, for people of faith in taking it off the table at this stage. <laughs> okay, so we could assume then that uh, if the Liberal National Coalition wins the next election, at some point it would come back onto the table? Well, this is interesting, and, and it's really unfortunate that it's been made an election issue. It can't be good for our society um, to have... The, the role of religion in society, a political issue and an, and an election issue. And uh, I think that's going to really challenge us as people of faith is, you know, as the Bible says, um, if you have love one for another, um, that is how you demonstrate that you, you are disciples of Jesus Christ. And, and to be put into this adversarial conflict-focused um, piece of legislation really... Um, undermines what our purpose is, what our intent is as people of faith. You know, we, we don't exist uh, to be political lobbyists. We don't exist to, you know, be agitating the political processes. Um, but it, it just seems as though in order to strive to protect the basic fundamental human right of freedom of religion, um, that it looks as though that's... It, it, it feels as though we're being pushed into that kind of corner, and that really makes me sad because we'd be far, you know, we'd rather focus on um, sharing Jesus with people. We'd rather be focused on doing acts of service in the community. All these things we're doing, but unfortunately, the media is focused on this piece of legislation at the moment, and and so. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a bit disappointing that that's the case. Now, both um, the Labor Party and, and the Coalition have said they believe freedom of religion needs to be protected in Australia. Well, well, not necessarily the positive right to freedom of religion, but they believe that there needs to be um, protection against discrimination on the basis of religion. So more of that uh, ability to raise a complaint if you feel discriminated against. So more of that shield rather than a sword element of it. However, it is really significant that both what each of the parties mean when they say we want to protect against religious discrimination is very, very different. So, so don't assume that they're actually going to um, pass the same sort of laws if they're in office. 
Yeah, and I think that's a very valid point, one that we need to think about, you know, uh, as the election approaches. I guess the question that goes through my mind is that, um, you know, we've got a piece of legislation that's been put forward by the uh, Liberal National Coalition. If they were to win the next election and if it were, was to come back on the table, would it come back on the table in its, you know, neutered form that it has, you know, kind of taken or the, the, the direction that it's heading or would it come back in its original form or would it come back in a stronger form? I mean, none of us have a crystal ball, but uh, just looking at the at the political landscape, what would your feeling be? Look, I think that those with the close connections at the moment are seeming to suggest that it's likely to come back in a weaker form regardless of who wins, um, which is really disappointing. Um, the, the areas of the legislation that I guess bring the strongest additional protections um, are the ones that are the most unpopular, which, which I guess is no surprise. Um, you know, the protecting of reasonable statements of belief in Clause 12, um, the override of state and territory legislation that doesn't line up with our in- law obligations of international law. Um, they're, they're, they're the kind of provisions that are so polarising and, and they're the ones that are probably at risk. Um, you know, we, we understand that, you know, if the opposition wins government, um, that there's a chance that they'll even scrap all the work that's been done to date and start with a blank piece of paper and, and um, draft their own piece of legislation, which, which I guess is their right to do. So we're really back at square one. And that could, you know, I mean, it's taken them how many years to draft this piece of re- re- legislation since the uh, Ruddock report? When, what year did that come out? That was um, quite a few years ago now. Well, it's four years ago now um, that, that those recommendations came through. Well, uh, no, the work happened in 2018 um, toward the end. I lose track, but it was early 18 or early 19. <laughs> no, I lost track as well. The Ruddock review, but, yeah, it's three or four years that, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure it's four years that the promises were made that it would be addressed in this term of parliament. Now, it must have been early 2019 because it was the election issue three years ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the promise was it would be brought before parliament in this in this term of government, which, you know, um, the government can now say, yes, they've done that. They brought it to parliament. <laughs> uh, it wasn't successful. Um, and, and they would contend that they've made every reasonable effort to put it through in this term of parliament. And in many ways, you know, uh, in that last election, I think we saw a surprise where, you know, the polls were not as accurate as we thought. There was uh, definitely a movement of quiet Australians and there was some very strong commentary afterwards that that movement was driven by religious people who had, you know, tended to abandon the Labor Party in favour of a party that was going to bring forward uh, uh, protection for religious people, people of faith. just sort of looking at that landscape again with, with the bill in its now watered-down form, um, with it stalled in the Senate, it's it's kind of hard to imagine what whether that same effect is going to still maintain through the next election. And, and you know, there's plenty of commentators on that this time around, and I think it's important that... Um, as citizens of this country, we we look carefully at what both sides of politics are promising um, and what they may have the ability to deliver because we've got both major parties, both you know the, the, the government and the opposition saying they have every intention to legislate um, protection against religious discrimination in the next term, but we've got to be clear 
uh, as to what that discrimination is, you know, what, what those level of protections they're promising are. And I think the other thing is, you know, many people of faith are disappointed in what's happened. Um, and, we, yeah, we've just got to think carefully through how do we respond to that. And, and that's an individual choice. You know, I'm not here to tell people how to vote. Um, no, not at all. You know, as a, as, as a church, we, we are bipartisan. We work with all sides of government. Uh, we're, we're happy to talk to the major parties. We're happy to talk to the minor parties. And we're happy to, you know, evaluate uh, how they inter- intersect with, with people of faith, um, you know, regardless of who's holding office. So that's, you know, that's not our objective. But I think it is important that we just don't assume that, that all parties are willing to promote um, the same level of legislative protections. Do we have any indication of what kind of protections the Labor Party would uh, be presenting if they uh, take power in the next election? Oh, look, it's it's too soon to know. I, you know, I, I wouldn't... Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be speaking with confidence on that because I guess we have to see where the majority sit, where they get the seats, where they don't get the seats. Um, and once again, the, the the clear focus will be on Western Sydney and Queensland, which are the most sensitive areas, they're, they're the swinging seats where, you know, there, there are strong um, blocks of communities that are, that are people of faith. And, you know, some of these areas that are on a knife edge as far as the votes go have traditionally voted uh, with the opposition but have been disappointed with the way the opposition has responded to the two people of faith. And so there's a lot of people with with divided loyalties. And I guess we'll see in the campaign how that all plays out. And and when people go to the ballot box, we'll, we'll see whether, you know, which party is able to provide and demonstrate assurances to people of faith as to as to what they're going to do uh, following the election. Yes, it would be very good if um, if the Labor Party could clearly outline what kind of protections they are proposing to put forward, um, so that we could you know put the two side by side and and, and make an evaluation there. Um, what about the minor parties? Is there has there been any communication from the minor parties? I mean, if we were to get a a minority government with minor parties holding an unusual level of power. Um, is there any indication from the minor parties which direction they would go? Yeah, look, you know, in the government inquiries, certainly uh, the representatives from the, the Greens made it very, very clear that they were opposed to any kind of um, protection for people of faith, that they didn't, that they were, they were opposed to the legislation that's being drafted and, it's interesting, you know, Labor Party's come out and said that they're in favour of protections for people of faith, but representatives of the Greens have said that they're not in favour. Um, so, you know, that'll be interesting if it comes down to the wire on that side. Um, yeah. Um, I think some of the more conservative minor parties really have not waded too much into the waters and made strong speeches where, where they particularly sit in this regard. So, look, you know, the election will come and go in the next three months or thereabouts, and uh, I guess we, we just pray, we, we, we wait and see. I, I think the big thing is if, if listeners are disappointed in 
what has happened, the best thing they can do is write a personal letter to their local federal MP, their local federal senator, and just say, protection for people of faith really matters to me. What are you going to do about it if you win office again next time? Because, believe it or not, a personal letter... Not a form letter, not a not a petition, not a circular one that's come out from a lobby group, but a personal letter that says, I'm really concerned that in Australia we have no protections for people of faith in discrimination legislation. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested in this. I'd like to see it happen. Um, yeah, we'll actually make a difference. It, it's particularly right at this particular at this point in time. Mm, I think that's uh, I think that's good to know and good to hear because we all sort of sit here and wring our hands and think, well, what can we do? There's nothing we can do. It sort of seems like there's nowhere to jump, even in the ballot box that is going to give us a great outcome. And uh, this is this is the suggestion that we that we really need. Is like, and, and as you say, a personal letter can have so much impact. Uh, particularly if there are you know a number of people who start doing so, Pastor Michael Worker, thank you for giving us an update. It's uh, interesting times in which we live. We definitely need to be praying about this, praying for our leaders, praying for our election, and praying that uh, that you know things will go the direction that God wants them to go uh, at this at this time in history. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Breakfast Show. A pleasure. That was Pastor Michael Worker, Director of Religious Liberty uh, for the Adventist Church in Australia. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.